I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of that show we call Here We Go, The Steeler Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I'm so glad to be here as a part of Steel Curtain Network, as a part of Fans First Sports Network. And with me, as always, is the dude. I know we have dude of the week, but the dude of the century in my mind, his name is KT Smith. It's Kevin Thatcher Smith. If you didn't know, KT, what's going on? Brian, excellent to talk to you as always. Uh, You know what's great about talking to you other than I enjoy talking to you is that I know that every time we talk, it means the weekend is near. That's always always something exciting. That's true. Now, you know how you always get me off subject, and I know how to get you off subject. But (laughs) Thursday night as a kid was one of my favorite nights because the weekend was near. We always had, every other week, we had early dismissal Fridays. So, and that means we got out at 1130. So that's sweet. That's a sweet deal right there. And that was the 1980s, man. And so we would do that. Kids, let's keep kids, get home, kids, go (laughs) out in the neighborhood and play. Mom and dad will be home eventually. (laughs) Oh, and we'd have backyard football, of course. And like you were talking about your buddy that was Sidney Thornton. I mean, we had those guys. I mean, there was times I, I uh, would punt and take off my, uh, stupidly take off my shoe because I was Reggie Roby or actually John Goodson, who was a barefooted punter for the Steelers in 1983. So, you know, I I would do that stupid stuff and then my foot would hurt all weekend. But I always knew Thursday nights and it's no secret. We record this on Thursday evenings and Thursday nights were always my favorite too, because one, I knew the weekend was coming, but I knew it was the Cosby show followed by Family Ties, followed by my all-time favorite Cheers, followed by Night Court. So I knew, I mean, that was my official start to the weekend watching those shows. That was an an awesome lineup, absolutely. Hey, I know we have a show to do, and I don't want to get off track, but 
you just talked about backyard football. Real quick story. Uh, we, we, some of my, my friends and I, and our, all of our, our kids play football together. And one of them texted me over the weekend and said, Hey, you want to, you want to get the kids together, bring them down to the field and run them through some drills. I said, sure, let's run them through some drills. We, so we, we a bunch of dads went down to the field and a bunch of 10 year old kids down there with them. And, and they're all, you know, we were just talking in the beginning and, and the, the kids are all just running around playing and, uh, and then eventually one of the, one of the dads was like, all right, you want to run through some drills? And I was looking out there, I was just watching them. They were just playing. They just, they, they organized an impromptu pickup game on their own. And they were, and it just reminded me of a kid. Nothing was ever organized when we were kids. We were, it was all just free play. You know, you go down to the ballpark and you play. And I said to one of the dads, Hey, why don't we just let him go and see what happens? And we just stood aside. And then for the next probably 90 minutes, the kids without, probably didn't even realize we were there anymore. And they just went, they just got after it playing uh, pickup football for, for 90 minutes. And it was nice to let them do just some unstructured stuff because sometimes I just feel like kids today are so structured that they miss out on some of that spontaneous stuff. Yeah. And you know, I say this all the time. Well, I always say that if I had a cell phone, I'd probably be in jail as an 11th grader, but um, (laughs) (laughs) so that was a good thing that in 1987, that stuff did not exist. But really what I'm saying, Kevin, is the less we had, the more fun we had because we, the trivia that I know is because we only had three channels and this was right. 87 was right when Fox started coming in with married with children and stuff like that. But it it was always so good to have less and be able to be out and play backyard football. And we knew who those players were because we watched more games, you know, a lot of us got into football because there was nothing else on on Sundays. Now you, everybody has choices. We could be sitting in my living room in my house and I could be watching the game and I hear three different uh, shows because one phone, one phone and one, another phone. You know, it, it's amazing. So it's the nostalgia. It was the simplicity of the early years that when you tell me that story it just takes me back and I could picture I could picture the uh, the guys that I was playing football with, Dave Armstrong, Brett Booth, Tommy Simonich, those guys in the backyard, Chris Cover, you know, all those those people that I, with the exception of one, I some of them I don't even know where they are, you know. Right. Um, that's the same with me. Same with me. You just you kind of you hold on to those memories because they were special to you, and you're right. You had to use your imagination. You, you felt like a tight bond to those guys. That was your crew. You didn't have access to much beyond your own sort of immediate surroundings. And so you were tight with the guys who were there. And then, and then it was you against everybody else, you know, like my son's 10, only 10 years old. He's already playing on an AAU basketball team with, with kids from all over the area. And so it's just not quite that same thing. You get that little brotherhood of the guys that you, that you grew up with. Absolutely. I haven't said some of those names in years, but you know, when you did not see them, you never saw them on Sundays from one to four fifteen. It just Correct. did not happen because you were in front of the TV right? That or you church. were somewhere else Yep. and you were at the church of Noel, the church of Rooney, St. Rooney's St. Myron's on the radio. If you had to <laughs> um, St. St. Uh, William Laird or right now St. Tomlin's um, you, you know, that's what you did. And I, I miss that. Yep. I, I definitely miss that, but let's talk about our beloved Steelers. And because of those days in the backyard, this is why we're doing those backyard days. 
we wouldn't be doing this right now. We would not be talking if it wasn't for that. No, that's, that's true. And, and we're going to talk about, uh, uh, you, you, you look at 10 year old kids down at the playground playing football and in the backs of their minds, you know, they all think, Hey, I'm going to be an NFL player. At least we all did. We all thought we were going to play in the NFL. Yes. Any one of us when we were little kids, but what we wanted to do, we all said, I'm going to be in the, I'm going to play in the NFL. And now we have this week, a combine going on, which is where those 10 year old kids are now 20 and 21 to 22 year old kids. And they're young men, I should say. And they have now reached the precipice of the ultimate dream. If you're, if you're a football player. So the combine is a really cool event because it's, it's, it's special in that as a fan, you get to just sort of evaluate on your own, these, these tremendously athletic prospects, but uh, for the players themselves, it's really a special moment because they're right there. They're on the edge of uh, a lifelong dream. Absolutely. And how do those kids get into the underwear Olympics? It's because they work. How are they discovered though, when they're at the combine? So what are coaches looking for? And you're a coach. So I'm asking you this. If you had, if you had a college player that was in your program, that's in college and he gets invited to the combine and he comes to you and says, coach Smith, I got to ask you, what are they looking for? What should I be doing? How should I act? What are you telling this young man? Right. That's a great question. So there's a lot of components to that. I mean, you obviously have the physical part and, and these guys all practice the combine drills. They go through the drills that they know are going to be specific to their position group so that they can get better at them. Whether it's cone drills, obviously they practice the 40 and the bench press and the different jumping events, but you know, they'll, they'll understand what kind of weave drills are we going to do? Uh, what, you know, what's, what sort of uh, athleticism are, are they looking for from an athletic standpoint, straight line speed's important, but haven't had a chance to talk to some, some coaches and some evaluators. One thing that's really uh, instructive at the combine is, is change of direction, how quickly guys can change direction, how quickly they can go from A to B uh, reverse to forward, et cetera. Um, explosiveness is another thing. It, they, they do put a decent amount of stock in the, in the broad jump and the high jump because it represents explosiveness. How, and what, what kind of force are you generating off the ground? So much of football is about that. It's about force off the ground. One of the reasons why the power clean is emphasized so much in lifting programs for people who train for football is because that's what the power clean represents. It, it represents force off the ground coming out of a three point stance exploding out of a receiver stance. If you're a linebacker from the moment you sink your hips until the moment that you, you for, you know, you're, you're uh, uh, make a, make contact with the chest of an offensive lineman. That's all again, man, explosion from hips on up. So that, that kind of stuff obviously is really important, but the other thing, and this, maybe this is just me personally, but I really feel as though the intellectual and mental attributes a player can demonstrate are equally important. I think it's really important for a player to have an understanding of his position group, to be able to communicate effectively, really little things. I think really little things are important. Shake people's hand, look them in the eye, address them with confidence, project yourself as a person who is uh, capable of being in command of adult men. I mean, grown men, you know, you think about like, <laughs> Think about being what, it, what it's like to be in an NFL huddle. I, I've never been in an NFL huddle, but can you imagine stepping into an NFL huddle? The, the, just the grown men uh, that are in that huddle and, and the physical presence that they all have. And you got to project 
uh, a, a sense of confidence that you belong. But with that confidence also has to come maturity, uh, intelligence, etc. So I think that there's a, a, a mental aspect to the combine that's important. And then obviously there's the physical aspect. So it's sort of a, a unique challenge in that sense. So let's talk about both physical and mental. And I'm going to start with mental. How much does thick skin come into the equation here? Oh, big time. Big time. Think about this. Right now, people like you and me, not you and me specifically, but but people who who do what we do, many of whom have I'm not trying to belittle anybody out there who does what we do because they're chasing something that they're passionate about. But many of the people making commentary on a lot of these players don't really have any football background, don't really have any, uh, you know, haven't haven't been around real talent evaluators or, or I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not at all saying that they don't know what they're talking about, because you, you can you can learn. You can learn without having played the game. You can learn an awful lot about football or about anything, even if you haven't done that thing. Uh, much yourself, but there there are just countless numbers of people right now who are criticizing these young men at the combine for just about everything they do. Oh, he's got slow hips. Oh, he plays too high. Oh, I didn't like his you know his feet on that drill. Oh, he looks stiff. Whatever it might be, and I think that the players who get caught up in that, whether it's on Twitter or on the internet or wherever. Uh, are going to struggle. They're going to have um, a difficult time handling the criticism that's inherent with being in this type of a spotlight. I, you know, you, I'm sure you remember Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf talked about that a lot after he flamed out in the NFL. The guy was the number two overall pick in the draft. There was people debating whether he should go over Peyton Manning. And, and his NFL career was brief and, and you know, pretty bad. And he said one of the biggest stumbling blocks he had other than immaturity and a poor work ethic was really thin skin. He couldn't take criticism and he let it eat him alive. So I think that your question's a really good one and, a, and an important one. So the physical aspect of it, what happens with some of these guys? Do they take some time off after December or January, whenever those bowl games are do, even though they know the opportunity ahead of them, do some of them just, slack um there's not the smart ones <laughs> yeah. you know they they know what's in front of them and you have a pretty good idea if you're going to get invited to the combine even if you don't guys who are probably see themselves or or feel as though they have an opportunity to be a late round pick when it's want to stay in tip-top shape I think that most of these guys, they'll take a little bit of time off, let, let the bumps and bruises heal up a little bit, but then the training gets pretty intense. All these guys have really good trainers. Uh, one of the guys who works with our program, his son actually is now on our team, a guy named John Porter. He trained NFL guys for a long time, um, and he, he, would get, he would basically put them into like a six-week routine. So, so re- pretty much right after the holidays, they would, they would kind of get going, and he'd have this – sort of six months routine where whatever specific thing it was that the player wanted to emphasize, you know, they wanted to cut a little bit of weight, you know, take a, take a 10th off their 40 time, uh, increase their broad jump, whatever it might be. He would design a a workout program that was going to stress that specific skill in addition to many of the other things. So these guys are all, it's a science now, you know, I mean, the combine is not just like you show up, uh, in your workout shorts and you go through some drills like they used to do 30 years ago. It's, it's a science. There's too much money on the line. There's too much exposure. Uh, there's too much media. 
And so, you know, these guys know what they're getting themselves into. Is there anything else before we take a break on the, what these coaches are looking for when they're at the combine, because they're coming looking for specific things. Right. You know, the one thing I wanted to mention is this, I was watching the combine earlier today and it was defensive linemen and linebackers. And I was watching some of the edge players because this, you know, the Steelers are definitely going to, well, I shouldn't say definitely, but the Steelers probably need to to invest uh, a draft pick or two in their defensive front or their outside linebacker group. And I read a mock draft recently where they where they mocked uh, Iowa's Lucas Van Ness to the Steelers in the first round. And I thought, thought that that was surprising in the first round. But who knows? You know, I don't know what the Steelers draft board looks like. Uh, so so I said, oh, I'm going to look at this guy because I don't know a whole lot about him. And he, I mean, he looks great. He's like six, five and 275 pounds. And you think like he's an edge as an edge guy who's that big uh, and he moves great. And, but, but it was funny as I was watching him, I started to like trick myself into looking for like the little flaws and the little weaknesses. And I noticed like, he's a little bit stiff. Oh, there's some stiffness here in his hips. Uh, he's pretty muscled up up top. Is that going to mean that he doesn't have quick twitch stuff? And I just wonder sometimes if some of you're, you're, you're microscoping these guys so hard that I wonder if sometimes as a scout or a GM or an evaluator, if you can actually talk yourself out of somebody by watching them at the combine, because you're, you know, you're looking almost for like the perfect candidate. Uh, and that was really interesting as I watched. And then I kind of stepped back and I went, wait a minute, man, look, look how this dude's he's 6'5", 275. Look how he's moving. He's, he's, they, they had, for some reason, they had the D lineman and the edge guys doing like D back drills. They had them backpedaling and catching passes and changing direction, probably just to evaluate their athleticism and i was thinking like look at this guy move you know like don't don't you know be uh, the princess in the pea and like the one little pea at the bottom of the 20th mattress is the reason you talk yourself out of this person so i, I wonder i wonder how much that's an issue for for gms you know talking yourself out of guys that is so very interesting i i love to know how the soup is made so this is really interesting to me here we're going to take a break and we're going to talk about past guys that the Steelers have drafted and looked at at the combine and where they are today. We're going to do all this on Here We Go, the Steelers show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I ain't the worst-looking man you've ever seen. <laughs> Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers show. It is the Steel Curtain Network. It is all a part of FFSN. That's Fans First Sports Network. And we're so proud to be a part of that team. Kevin, talking about being a part of a team. Pittsburgh Steelers have been in a lot of combines over the years. What sticks out with draft guys over the years and the way they made these decisions? Right. Well, one thing I think that's important 
uh, about the Steelers is it doesn't seem as though the Steelers have been a team that has fallen in love with guys at the combine. It seems like the Steelers usually have their, their board set up. They go through the evaluation process and they, they target guys who they like, uh, who they want to see and want to, and want to talk to. Um, and they, and they kind of pick accordingly. It feels as though the Steelers place a little bit more weight in film than they do in, in these workout type environments. Um, I think the Steelers personally, just, just gauging what I've seen from Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin and some of the Steelers staff uses the combine uh, obviously as an evaluation tool, but, but more so as an opportunity to, to get to meet and know these, these young men, an opportunity to talk to them, evaluate their character, evaluate, you know, their maturity, those types of things. So so I don't think the Steelers, again, have been a, uh, you know, oh, man, this kid, this kid jumped this high, so we're going to move him up on our draft board type of uh, franchise. That's so interesting, too. I, I love that. So do you have individual players that have stuck out in your mind? Well, I mean, I have, I have players where when you look at uh, the Steelers' draft history, you think, you think, um, all right, well, where, how did how did they get high on this guy? How did how did this guy wind up, you know, high on their board? And and you look at like, okay, well, maybe the fact that, and then you, you go back and you look at this person at the combine and you think, well, maybe that the combine was the thing that clinched the deal for the Steelers, right? Like, let's take last year's draft. Uh, Calvin Austin runs an absolutely blazing four three three at the combine. Uh, you know, he's coming out of a school, Memphis, which is not a by not you know obviously a very good football school, but not a powerhouse. They've got an offense that likes to throw the ball around, et cetera. I'm sure they loved his his tape, but then you go to the combine and the dude runs four three three, and that might be the moment where you go, okay, if we get a shot, we're taking that guy. Or or you look at Demarvin Leal from last year's draft, uh, who at 283 pounds at the combine was going through the cone drills like he was a 245-pound linebacker. And you think to yourself, wow, that kind of athleticism really fits what we want to do in our scheme. You know, the Steelers really have moved in their scheme to being a slant and movement front where they're asking their defensive tackles not to clog up gaps like it used to be in the old school 3-4, but to move and penetrate. And you see a guy with Leal's athleticism at his size, and you think, hey, not only can we use him in that sense, but maybe we can even stand them up at times, which the Steelers wound up doing. So I think with, with certain guys and those two come to mind right away, I think with certain guys, the combine gives you an up close look uh, at what they can do physically. And if it matches up with what you've seen on film, it makes these guys more attractive. That's really, really what I was looking for because, you know, we all, and I say the media, the fans, we have these guys that we know in our heads that they're taking, like Andrew Billings back in <laughs> 2016. I was on the Billings train. Yeah, and I was too. He goes in the fourth round, though. Yeah. So we don't know what they know. And you know more than most people. And we didn't know that that wasn't a guy. Now you could get Andrew Billings now. You could bring him in as a free agent, you know, but you're not going to break the bank for him either. But a lot of people were so mad when they didn't take him in the first round. And so then it's the second round. Oh, they're going to take Billings. It's the third round. Oh, they're going to take Billings. I'm like, no, they're going to take this guy. I've been reading a lot. They're going to take Javon Hargrave. 
And I patted myself on the back and said, Hey, I told you they were taking Hargrave, but it's just because I was reading and, and knew that they weren't going for Andrew Billings. So, yeah, I mean, it makes total sense as to why too. Like what I just talked about with that was right around the time, probably 2016 or so when the Steelers were, were really sort of starting to transition into a different style athletically. That was really when sub packages were taking over the game on defense and the, the old three, four, was being phased out for the most part, and teams were playing a lot more two, four, five, and so you wanted those more athletic defensive tackles. And Billings was, you know, Billings would look great back in two thousand two. Um, yeah, but but he wasn't made for he wasn't made for the for the modern game. And Hargrave was Hargrave still is he still moves well. And then you have you know other players throughout the years, and now everybody's convinced that the Steelers need Jordan Addison. And I don't think he's going the first round. I don't think he's the guy on their list. I don't think he would really go uh, even in a packed year. I, I don't think he would would go in the uh, the top five. So, you know, everybody, you think, oh, he's a pit guy. So he played with Kenny Pickett. You got to take him. So we've seen movies like that before with Mason Rudolph, with James Washington. We've seen all that. That doesn't, uh, what, does familiarity really have too much to do with success? And we could look at Burrow and Jamar chasing. Yes, it does. But in other avenues, it doesn't. Right. I don't think, I think it it all depends too on the system that they, that they go to. Like, for example, Mason Rudolph and James Washington had a great connection at Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State's an air raid offense. And they run, they run uh, a really specific type of passing tree. And the Steelers didn't do a whole lot of that under uh, Randy Fickner when he, when he was the OC. The Steelers ran the Ben Roethlisberger offense. And, and the Ben Roethlisberger offense was basically like what Ben was most comfortable with. And so whereas the air raids a system, what the Steelers did with Roethlisberger was accommodated the passing game to the things that he'd grown comfortable with over – you know, his 16, 17, 18 years in the NFL. And so that may not have fit what, or Mason Rudolph and James Washington may not have fit well within that passing game. Maybe if, maybe if the two of them had been drafted by a different team in a different system, they would have clicked better in the NFL. So it, there's a lot more that goes into it than, Hey, these guys were great together in college. Yeah, I mean, now we look at guys like Burrow and Chase, and we're like, all right, they're tearing it up, but those guys are so good, and they were, this is a different situation because they were both top five picks. Right, and they won the national championship together at LSU, and I'm not saying Oklahoma State wasn't good. I mean, Rudolph and Washington put up good stats together at Oklahoma State, but uh, but they, they certainly weren't a national championship type, type team. The other thing that's interesting about James Washington, when I remember breaking doing a film room on him back when he was drafted, I, and I wrote it for the site, and I think the one thing that I really noticed was that James Washington, even in college, didn't get great separation against college D-backs, but he was awesome at making – so-called combat catches those those contested catches where you and the db are essentially fighting for the football he was super strong and uh and just great at that so the problem when you get to the nfl is you can't rely on that to be your uh your tool that you use to to uh catch footballs you got to get separation nfl corners are just too good and so 
without being able to get separation and then without being able to win the same percentage of those types of balls, uh, he was just less effective. So, so there's a whole lot more again, man, when you go up to the NFL, there's a whole lot more, it's a whole other level. Uh, and if you can't accommodate your game to it, you're not going to succeed. Wow. That's, that is so true. So is there anything specific that you think the Steelers are looking at at this combine that is not on the list of every of what everybody's saying? I don't know if it's it's not on the list of what everybody's saying. I, there's been a lot of projections about what will the Steelers do in the first round, and everybody thinks that they need to look at linemen, et cetera. But the report that I read today, being Thursday night, out of the combine was that the Steelers are all over corners, that they've had a whole lot of interest in corners, um, which, again, you know, it doesn't mean that they're going to take a corner in the first round, but it certainly means that that they're they're interested in some of the top guys. Most of those top guys will go in the first round, and so if the Steelers have a top guy that they're interested in, they're going to have to pick him sooner than later. I mean, I don't know name. You know, we can we everybody gives Joey Porter Jr. a lot of attention for his obvious ties to Pittsburgh, and and I want to talk really- about him, but go, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Real quick. That would be that he's a cool story, no doubt about it. But, you know, the Steelers play a lot of cover one now. They used to be, uh, you know, they used to be much more of a cover two team. They play a lot of cover one. And the guy that if he if he hang if he makes it to 17, I think the guy that that, that would fit their scheme tremendously is Devin Witherspoon of of Illinois. He's, he's probably the best cover one corner in the draft. So anyway, their interesting corners is interesting right now. I, I love these names. You've got um You've got Cam from SC, uh, not USC, South Carolina. You mm-hmm. also have, I mean, Christian Gonzalez. Oh, my gosh. And we're yeah. going to talk about him in a second, too. Yeah. And Devin Witherspoon, I don't know as much about, so I'm going to be bending your ear on that. And, of course, Joey Porter Jr. Now, I expect Joey Porter Jr. to get less attention by the Steelers. I mean, they know him well. I mean, he played with, uh, I believe he played with, uh with Tomlin's sons, um, I, I don't know whether it was Dino or or who he played with. I think he played with Dino um, at in high school. And so they were, Porter and Tomlin were around each other a lot at these games and where they were. So just like Kenny Pickett last year, you don't expect, you know, they know him intimately. You know, right. you don't expect them to be paying much attention. And then someone's going to pick up on that and say, well, you know, they're not talking. I mean, they must not be interested in Joey Porter because they're talking to these other guys. But they need to be talking to other guys. They don't need, need to be wasting as much time with JP, JPJ. You know, so with that being said, they also uh, there's also this thing that because he was a stealer and because you're so close that he's got to be a lock. And I don't think he's a lock because of that. I don't think that goes into consideration here. No, I don't, I don't either. Um, I think that the Steelers will. Like we like we say a lot, they're going to let the draft board come to them. Picking at seventeen, there's going to be a lot of really good football players there. I don't think they'll move up. I don't think there's a guy that they see as being so above, head and shoulders above everybody else on their draft board that they absolutely have to have this this guy. They've got a great opportunity with four of the draft's first eighty picks to get some really good football players to provide them some depth and fill some areas of need. So you know, if Joey Porter's sitting there at fourteen. I don't think they'll go up to 14 to get them. I think, I think they'll probably wait and, and, and take the best of their board, you know, uh, when, when they get to, to number 17. So now that said, if he's there 
it wouldn't be surprising at all if they picked him because he's a darn good football player and he's worthy of the 17th pick. If the Steelers pick Joey Porter Jr. at number 17, it won't be a reach. So um, even though, you know, I'm sure you'll have some people that'll be like, oh, you know, they're just picking him because he's a, he's a, you know, got Pittsburgh connections, blah, blah. There's always those people that, you know, feel like everything is, has to be a Pittsburgh connection. But I don't think that that's the case. I'm glad you said that because I'm tired of all the uh, University of Maryland stuff and and Mike Tomlin has to keep Matt Canada because he recruited Dino Tomlin. No, he doesn't. <laughs> That's not how it works. Yeah, Mike, Mike Tomlin didn't get to be one of the most successful coaches in NFL history because of that garbage, right? You know, like, I mean, if you, if you start from the conclusion and work backwards, you can always find an argument to prove whatever it is that you've convinced yourself of. And I think that that's what people do with the Tomlin stuff. So let's go to dude of the week. And I'm not, I'm going to let you throw out yours, but I'm going to have you do it after mine. It's Mike Tomlin. And it's definitely Mike Tomlin because everybody's talking right now. Mike Tomlin has won the combine again. You've got a guy we just talked about, Christian Gonzalez, who I think is one of the best corners in the draft as well. And it looks like he's wanting to play for Tomlin just because he's like, this guy's amazing. He's better than what my my parents and I thought he was. I mean, I, I mean, they're talking about, seriously, when you hear these guys talk about Mike Tomlin, and I saw a tweet today from one of the beat writers saying that, you know, yes, I'm just going to answer it right now. Yes, Mike Tomlin has talked to that prospect. So if you ask, Mike Tomlin has talked to him. But they're acting like he's Willy Wonka. Hmm. <laughs> And it, it, it's it to me, it kind of feels like that. And but he's earned it. You know, he is he is the guy that is uh, greeting everybody, making you feel good. And and he not only does it for now, he does it for five years down the line. We know he does that. He's talked about that. I mean, Pat McAfee talks about it. If you've ever heard Pat McAfee talk about Mike Tomlin, it's absolutely tremendous. You know, he he knew he wasn't going to be able to draft him where he went because Pat McAfee went high. He went number two, not number two overall, but in the second round. So yeah, the, the word a lot of, of these guys have used this week about Mike Tomlin is real and relatable. And that tells you that he's genuine. That they, these guys, young, young guys are smart. They, they've been through enough. I think, think about how, by the time you get, you get to the NFL combine, think about how many people have kissed your butt in your life. You know, it started in, in it, might, it might have started in grade school with with high school coaches trying to recruit you, and then it started, and then it carried through college with colleges trying to recruit you, and then you got boosters and all these people telling you how great and how wonderful you are, and and most of these guys get pretty good at being able to sniff out a fake, uh, or or sniff out somebody with ulterior motives. So for them to be able to say, you know, they that Mike Tomlin's real and relatable speaks to to who he is as a person. I love that you say that. So that's why he's my dude of the week. But you have a dude of the week, and I think we need co-dudes of the week because <laughs> at the Combine, this guy is making a lot of waves in a position that the Steelers really need to look at. And who is he? Yeah, so I'm going to go with Carl Dunbar, the Steelers uh, you know, D-line coach. Just I, Tomlin's a great choice, and uh, and, and I'm, I fully support you on that one. But uh, watching the Combine earlier today, uh, again, D-line and linebackers working out. Carl Dunbar is running the D-line drills. And you want to talk about a man who's working. He's got sweat just pouring down his face. I mean, he is, he, he's as into it. You would think that, that this is the Steelers 
practicing for the Super Bowl. I mean, he's given it everything that he can. He's he's instructing guys. I love watching coaches coach, uh, especially when it's practice, because that's really when you when you see their true character and who they really are. And I mean, every single guy he's giving specific instruction to as they go through the drills. He's telling them specifically the things that they need to do to because he's he's obviously rooting for him, man. He's doing he's doing everything he can to urge them into their best performance, encouraging them, right? I mean, this is a man who I, I don't I have no idea if you get paid to work the combine or not. I'm going to guess you don't, but um but yeah, uh, this is a man who's who if he's getting paid, he's earning his money and he's representing the Steelers really really well. And another guy like if I'm one of those D-line prospects, and I'm going through these drills. I'm really impressed with Carl Dunbar, and and I, and I'm really thinking, hey man, Pittsburgh will be a great spot. So he's my guy this week. I think he's a great representative for the team too. They had great representation at the Senior Bowl, which is you know you can't beat that when you have coaches uh, coordinating there. So that's absolutely amazing. You had two there, and then. We can't forget Omar Khan, who was due to the week last week, for being at the HBCU combine and the only one there. My gosh, the Steelers. I mean, they might not win the off offseason, but they're going to have a lot of people that if they had a chance to choose, they're going to choose there. And I know this isn't as important to a lot of people, but I think it really is. You know, when you get down to it and you're offering free agent contracts for those that are undrafted this goes a long way too and they're not doing it they're they're not trying to position themselves as favorites of everyone when you said the word genuine i think these guys are absolutely genuine in what they do right it's really hard not to like what you're seeing from the steelers coaching staff in front office right now fantastic kevin let's get on out of here i want to thank you we're going to see you next week as we uh we're gonna have thoughts after the combine and we're going to get closer to moving into the free agency where things are going to start to be defined a whole lot more. So I can't wait to talk to you more about it, but I wish you a great weekend and a fantastic week, my friend. Thank you. You too. And uh, everybody out there again, as always be safe and, and go Steelers. All right. So for Kevin Smith, that is KT Smith. If you're asking for Brian Anthony Davis, that's just plain old BAD. If you really want to know, we are so glad that you spend time with us on this show. We're thankful for you in our audience, wherever you find us, wherever you download your favorite podcast, make sure you look for Steel Curtain Network. There's a whole lot of great stuff going on there as we are getting ready to get that launched out more. Uh, maybe you're going to find something that you didn't expect. It's really fun. We were so proud to welcome Jim Wexel and Jeremy Hritz to the podcast family this week is they had the Wednesday show, the Steel City Insider, and it's great to have a beat writer like that, like Jim Wexel, a great professional like Jeremy as well in here. So we're so glad to have them as a part of the family. And don't forget all the shows you love. Uh, right before this, you heard another great episode of, you know it, it's Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman. It's a flagship show. We had the preview last night, Dave Schofield, Jeff Hartman, and me. And then later on, you're going to have another episode of The Homies. You're going to be checking out another episode of State of the Steelers. And there's going to be another The Week That Was as well. Lots of great stuff going on. And then we go ahead and start over too. 
There's going to be great stuff happening. So stick with us here at SCN. We thank you. We love you. And Kevin, keep your feet on the ground. Keep reaching for the hypocycloids. <laughs>